Today on the show, I am going to answer the question, why does your life seem like a constant battle? Please continue to support the podcast by rating and reviewing it on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. If you know someone that you think would enjoy the podcast, please share it with them. Help me get the word out. I rely on the generosity of you, the listeners, to help support this program. Typically, I travel around the world giving workshops and charging a fee for this. And here I am bringing this content to you for free. All I ask is that you make a contribution to help support the program, whatever you feel that you've gotten from it. It could be just the price of a yoga class. Go to thestoryofmepodcast.com, and on the contact page, there's a donate button, and make a contribution. Help support this program. And you can also find this link in the episode description. You can also go to the podcast website to submit your questions to be answered on the program. All right, so now let's get to it. Beautiful am I, bountiful am I, blissful am I, why? Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where my guests and I share personal stories from our life and explore the psychological insights that were learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you as well as increase your understanding of your own psychological patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode where I share my experiences in psychological understanding, interview guests, and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I hope everyone is doing well. Before we begin the program today, I'm going to be joined by Satkirtan Kar, who is one of the co-founders of the Dutch Kundalini Yoga Festival. And this festival is happening from December 17th to the 22nd in the Netherlands. I will be teaching a workshop at the festival called Mastering Your Projection, Vibrating the Infinite. And of course, I'll be giving private hand analysis consultations and also in the bazaar selling my flutes. And she's going to share a little bit about the yoga festival. Welcome, Satkirtan Kar. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Happy to be here. You're one of the organizers of the Kundalini Yoga Festival in the Netherlands. And right. so you're going to tell us a little bit about this festival. Now, this is uh, going on for how long now? This is the fourth time we're organizing it. Okay. Yes. And has it been in the same place the, the four times? Um, no. The first time we started out in a, a little smaller place, but this is the... This is going to be the second time, actually, that we are doing it in the castle because last year, due to all the circumstances, we were not able to uh, do it on, uh, in person. So we did it online. And this time we will do it in person and online. 
Oh, great. And where is it going to be at for the people who want to go in person? Well, it's going to be at a very, very beautiful location, a, a castle near the German border, near Venlo. And it has a beautiful, big sadhana room with, where like a thousand people can do sadhana together. So it's really big and it has two buildings and it has a beautiful surrounding. So you can make beautiful walks and be outside. And, and also inside, there's enough space for everyone. And you also don't need to sleep in a tent. You have a bed and a room. So everything is included in the festival. Well, that's good because I'm sure it's going to be a little cold, right? <laughs> yes, it's too cold to camp. Yeah, we have some people who bring their camper. That's possible, but uh, yeah, it's better to stay nice and cozy in a bed. Okay, and and uh, so this is the winter solstice celebration. What is the theme this year? The theme this year is Sunia because it's time we have been learning that we need to go inside and to listen. So it's really about listening to yourself, listening to each other. And listening to the universal wisdom. Okay. And so for the listeners who are not kundalini yoga yogis, sunya is listen to the silence, right? To go within. Right. Go deep within. And we also, um, on the 11th of November, we start a 40-day challenge that you already get to know to learn this uh, meditation and to learn to go deep within. So we have a beautiful uh, challenge to go into the silence with this, uh, a beautiful version of uh, Sunia that uh, our great uh, colleague uh, Harmander Paul from Belgium, she made a beautiful version for us, but they made a remix of it. So we have, have beautiful, uh, yeah, to get to really into the vibe, to be there already from your own home and to connect to the theme and to connect to each other. We start 40 days ahead of the festival. And so this starts on the 11th of November and right. they can they can do this online. They can do it online, right? And you can download the file so you can play it all the time and you will be encouraged to join. We have live sessions where different teachers explain more about what sunia means. So you can really already get into this the team. And so this will be a morning sadhana or starting on the 11th, going all the way up until the festival. Yeah, we start at 11 o'clock uh, on the 11th. And uh, if you subscribe, you will see it will be on different times so everyone can join. And even if you subscribe, you also get a recording so you, you can watch or do it on your own. And, and what is the date of the actual festival? Yes, very good question. <laughs> Uh, it starts on Friday, the 17th of December, okay. and it will end on Wednesday morning, the 22nd. And so for people who are not kundalini yogis or who have never been to a yoga festival, can you describe what goes on at this festival? Yes, uh, it's going to be a wonderful experience. Uh, we start very early in the morning with a morning sadhana with live music always. And then there's time to relax and to uh, have a breakfast. And then we have workshops in the morning. There's a little snack break. And then we have an all-camp workshop where everyone comes together. And then there's the food. 
and then there's the evening program and also an evening uh, concert. And, and sometimes we have a gong night, we have a musical night, we have many things going on. So, but we offer a lot, and we always say to new people that you you just choose what you you can do. You don't need to do all of it. And everyone who is going to be there also gets uh, the online ticket. So the things that you miss, you can do online later on. And, and uh, there's also going to be a healing area. There's going to be a healing area. You can get tea all day. Uh, there's a bazaar. There's a gudwara. There's a red tent, a man cave. You can, in the morning, you, you're uh, invited to go into the ice bath. We, there's so many things that going on. It's a kids camp, so you can bring your whole family. And also we encourage people to bring also your parents, not only the kids, but also bring your parents. So we have some senior yoga and they can sit on the chair. It's no problem. Okay, so it sounds like a good time. It's uh, If you've never been to these festivals, they're a lot of fun. I know I have some listeners who are not kundalini yogis. You don't need to be a kundalini yogi to go to the festival. You're just going to be practicing yoga, being in the energy of some nice people, and especially after the last two years where you spend a lot of time alone. I know I was just at the Belgium Yoga Festival, when was this, last month? September. September, and it was the first time for me to be in a group of people, and and that alone was nice, just to even just just be around people. Yeah, even if you don't do any of the yoga, even being with us and being together, and it's a beautiful surrounding, so it's, it's like a holiday, and it's like a reset. Yeah, it's a very nice experience. You will feel very relaxed by the time you leave. And I highly recommend it. I've been going to not this festival, but the Kundalini festivals for almost 20 years now. And so this will be my first time going to the Kundalini festival in the Netherlands and the first time teaching there. And I'll also be selling my flutes and giving uh, hand analysis consultations. So I hope that everyone can join us. And uh, I think it'll be a good time. You can go online. What is the website for them to find out more information? KundaliniYogaFestival.nl Okay, so you can go on to the site. And the dates again, one last time, the dates? The 17th of December. We start until the 22nd of December. And if you, you can also come for one day or for the whole festival. All right. So it's a nice way to start out the winter solstice, right. to start out your holidays before Christmas or New Year's. Yes, you totally go through a different Christmas time if you first connect to yourself and then connect to your family. And we'll bring your family and then have a beautiful Christmas after. And it'll get you the right mindset to project your intentions for the new year. Right. The end. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful right. opportunity, and we welcome everyone to come and join. Great. Well, thank you for joining us at Kirtan Car. We hope to see you and yes, everyone else out there. at the festival. I'll be there. She'll be yes. there. And many yogis will be there. So please, why don't you check out the website and sign up and join us? Yes, dear. We're looking forward to it. And let's look inside as well, right? Connect to each other and to ourselves. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
Before we get into today's topic, why does your life seem like a constant battle? And trying to answer this question, I'd like to, again, like I've been starting out some of these shows, talking about what's happening in our society uh, these days. If you haven't listened to episode 46, the interview I had with Dr. Matthias Desmet about psychological crisis and mass formation, I highly recommend this episode for you to have some context and to really understand what's going on. But we seem to find ourselves in a psychological war. And I know many people, when they hear me talk like this, they may think I'm being hyperbolic. But if you really look and see what's happening, you can see that there is a lot going on behind what is being told to you. And I would say that this is World War III. It has begun. Now, it isn't country against country. What it seems to be is the ruling class against the citizens of the world. And it hasn't really turned physical, but is being done through psychological warfare. And again, this may sound like an exaggeration, but let's examine the definition of psychological war. Now, psychological warfare is the planned tactical use of propaganda, threats, and other non-combat techniques to mislead, intimidate, demoralize, or otherwise influence the thinking or behavior of an enemy. I think that sounds exactly what's been going on the last two years. Whether you're for the vaccines or you're for the mask or against it, this isn't really the case because there's many people who are for the vaccines and are still fighting these mandates and these rules that are being thrusted upon us. And so today what I wanted to do is just to show you how World War III is the psychological war. And the losses aren't being counted in deaths, but in the freedom that you're losing, because this is really what's happening here. And let's look at the weapons that this opposition army is using against you. Now we have censorship of truth. This is obvious. We've seen this. The social media has become the arbiters of truth, and they limit anything that goes against this narrative. Then we also see another weapon, manipulation of language. In fact, definitions of words are being changed to fit the narrative. The words pandemic, herd immunity, and vaccine have all been changed to fit this false narrative. In fact, there's an email that became public by an employee of the CDC, which was complaining that oppositions of the vaccine are using, their own, using the CDC's own definition of vaccines against them. And so what they did is they decided to change the definition of a vaccine to fit their argument. And then the WHO, the WHO, they changed the definition of herd immunity to imply that it's a concept that only applies to vaccination, not naturally acquired immunity gained from prior infection. So this is just part of how they're using this manipulation of language. 
Another tool in their arsenal is coercion. If you don't have a vaccine passport, you'll be fired from your job, or you won't be able to travel or enter particular countries or eat at a restaurant or attend concerts or museums. You get the idea. And what is the point of that? Since people who are vaccinated can can also catch and spread COVID. So what are they really doing, right? Then we have the intimidation. If you don't close your business or follow our mandates or stay at home when they want you to, you will be punished. And we've seen this. At least I know some specific examples in the United States of businesses that have been forced to go out of business because they try to stay open during the lockdowns. Yet big businesses had no problems being open during the lockdown. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to keep you unbalanced. And so we see this right now as the flu season begins. We start to hear them talking about more infections, higher infection rate. But this is normal. It's the flu season. This is when people start to get viruses. And there's nothing you can really do about it, as we've seen from this history. And if you want to do something, this is your prerogative. You can stay at home. You can wear two masks. You can get vaccinated. And you should be able to do this if you want to do it. But it should not be thrusted upon people who don't want to. And and they keep you unbalanced by saying, well, the infection rates are going up. Maybe we need to close down again. Or maybe we need to employ more mandates or bring others back. And so how do you make plans? How do you travel? How do you operate your business or your life when you don't know what is going to be imposed upon you? The other tool that they use, the other weapon, is to keep you separated. Masks and lockdowns separate you physically and emotionally. You know, you don't connect to even strangers on the street or in the stores if they're wearing masks because you don't see that smile, you don't see that contact, that expression. And this is a tool that's used by cults. It's used by many different people who want to break you down to get you to not consult with other people. And then another tool is to divide divide the enemy into sides so they are fighting among themselves. And we've seen this in the last year and a half, more race-related talk in the media, more left versus right in the media, and rich or poor, all these, they're trying to divide you so that you're weaker. And all these tactics are designed to make you more vulnerable and dependent on them. Look at the vaccine passport is the beginning of a system that is designed to enslave you. And again, you may think that this is an exaggeration, but look at China with that social credit system. This is where it's going. They want to make it easier to manipulate your behavior and control you just the same way that social media does with their algorithms. And so now it's a vaccine that's showing in your uh, passport that you've been vaccinated, but eventually it's going to be all your medical records all your financial records, everything, and you're going to be excluded and included depending on your behavior. 
and they will be able to incentivize or discourage particular behavior. And when they introduce the digital currency, it's going to be even worse. And really, the biggest casualties of this war are the children. We're already starting to see the effects of this, and it's just the beginning. The depression, the suicides, the loss of education, many different problems with these children, and they're the ones who are going to be the true slaves because it's going to happen to them. So when will you begin to fight back? At a certain point in the near future, it's going to be too late. And I know people say, oh, a mask isn't that bad. You can wear the mask. But at what point do you stop participating? At what point is it going to be too late? It's like you're a frog in a pot that is slowly heating up. When will it be too late for you to jump out of the pot? You know, we protest in a plaza and this is nice, but it doesn't do so much. You need to really take some action, fight the system before it's too late. And my respect to all the people who are fighting back by resisting the controls, all the healthcare workers that refuse to get vaccinated and instead quit their job, or all the airline workers, the businesses and government officials who resisted enforcing these mandates. Now, again, if you want to get the vaccine, this is fine. Do it. In fact, there are many people who are fighting these mandates who have been vaccinated because they don't believe it's the government's job or duty to impose them upon you. And so now in the United States, there's many lawsuits by people who have been vaccinated but are still fighting back. And so my question to you then is, what are you doing to resist? Have you ever felt that your life seems like a constant battle? Everything that you try to do seems like there's a problem, some confrontation, some conflict, and it's getting harder and harder instead of easier and easier. Or maybe it's just some period in your life where this is happening. I know as things are changing around us and we're trying to do things, at least for me, you're trying to travel or trying to get into a particular country and you're finding all these problems and you think that nothing is working out. Everything seems like a constant battle. When this happens to us, How do we get out of this feeling, out of this frustration? Because it seems like not only are we then fighting with the world, we feel like we're fighting with ourselves. Everything becomes this confrontation. And then the harder we push, the more difficult life becomes. And then our ego appears, and it doesn't let us stop the fight because we know we're right and we want to keep pushing ahead. And so then our aggressive ways start to spread, and it gets into our personal relationships. They become strained. We feel disconnected from the people around us because they don't empathize with us strong enough. They don't experience what we're experiencing, and we then feel overwhelmed with this frustration. As the momentum of your life struggles and takes away the joy. And so then you start to have these tears of frustration or these screams that you have to realize that there is a better way. 
And what is the foundation of this experience? How do you achieve success without this type of struggle? You know, many people even have these phrases, it's me against the world, or no one's going to get in my way. And if this is your outlook, you're initiating a lot of this confrontation. So why are you doing this? What's going on with you that this is happening? And I'm not saying that there aren't difficulties in life, because even for the most well-practiced yogi, they still have difficulties. But it's how you interact with them which is going to determine who you are. You're not going to be able to eliminate all these problems, all these conflicts. But you have to say, is it my attitude that is prolonging them or increasing them or making them worse? Because you begin to find yourself perpetuating these problems once you get stuck in this outlook of life. Let's look at some of the reasons why you may be experiencing this frustration or this feeling that everything seems like this battle, this conflict. One big aspect is this fear of failure. And we've talked about this on other episodes, how not being in the moment really affects how you feel about what you're doing. And when we encounter this resistance in life, we become fearful that we're not adequate to achieve our goal, right? And then your self-doubt forces you to either completely withdraw and say, I give up, or become more aggressive to show to yourself and to others that you are capable. And you may even chant these mantras like, no one is going to stop me or nothing will get in my way. And this is very... This is not a good way to look at things, because if you do this, where's the peace in your life with this outlook? Do you really think that you can instantly change your attitude when you walk through the door at home at the end of the day? Because this mindset then runs into the rest of your life. And how strained do your relationships get? You start to take out all your frustrations on the people around you or you withdraw completely and don't connect to the people, and this creates more problems. So how do we deal with this fear of failure, this fear that we're not going to be successful? The first thing you need to do, and we talked about this if you look at episode 35, the difference between setting goals and intentions, You'll see what I'm talking about here, and this is take the emphasis off the results. Because when you start to imagine and fantasize about how this is going to turn out, whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a project you're working on or a relationship, it could be anything. But when you start to imagine how this is going to turn out, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for this stress, this anxiety. And this is where this anxiety comes from. It comes from this fear of worrying about the results. Because then you base your self-worth on the situation in life, 
And when life goes well, you feel good about yourself, but when it doesn't, how do you feel? You experience these difficulties and your self-worth starts to feel diminished. And it all turns into then this introspection of you're not good enough. You're not enough. You need to take this emphasis off of results and place it on your self-expression. And we talked about this many times on the podcast is that you need to focus on the self-expression. You set your intentions and let the expression come out, live in that moment. And then your self-worth should be independent of your circumstances. Your experience is just an experience. It isn't who you are. And self-worth should be focused on the true, never-changing self. And we talk about self-worth and self-love and all these ideas. And I, and I talked about this in more detail in episode 38, How to Find Self-Love. And I said self-love was derived from your actions, not from a thought. If you want to change the way you feel, you need to take actions that show yourself that you love yourself by eating healthy, by participating in activities that that show you love yourself, right? This is why we do yoga. It's a representation of we're taking care of ourselves. We're representing that we love ourselves. So when it comes to this idea of self-worth, again, the only thing we can do is make sure that we're valuing ourselves through our actions. But I can tell you from my own experience that the further I go down this path, the less I think about myself. And instead of replacing one thought with another thought that I love myself or that I value myself or I don't value myself, I don't think about it. I just make sure that every action I take is a representation of how I feel about myself, this love. And if it isn't, then I examine why is it difficult to express love to myself in this moment? What is happening with me? But when it comes to this idea of self-worth, I try to not think about this. I try to focus on my self-expression. So another thing we can look at when we're getting into this conflict or these constant battles in life is this fear of the unknown. Because we have this fear of what's going to happen. Because the mind doesn't like uncertainty. And I, I can see this in yoga classes, right? And you probably experience this in yoga classes where I'll have the students hold a very difficult position, a difficult posture, and I can watch them. And their body is shaking. Let's say I, I tell them to hold your feet up. They're laying on their back, hold the feet up, right? And see how long they can hold these feet up like this, the legs off the ground. And let's say I put the timer on for two minutes, but I don't tell them the amount of time. And I can see at about a minute, minute and a half, they start to shake. The body starts to shake and you can see their face, facial expression change. And they look like they're about to drop the posture. And when there's about 20 seconds left, I will tell them, 
There's 20 seconds left, and then you can see the shaking stop. You can see that they've relaxed. The students who are just about to let the posture go all of a sudden are now able to hold it for the remaining 20 seconds. However, if I wouldn't have told them how much longer they would have had to hold that posture, they would have let it go about 10, 15 seconds before that. So why does it become easier for them once they know how much longer they have to hold the posture? It's because of the self-doubt. The mind doesn't like this uncertainty, and uncertainty for most people creates a lot of anxiety and stress and fear. When the mind doesn't have definitions, boundaries, and limits, it begins to create them through fear and self-doubt. This limits your worldview and closes you off from all the opportunities that are right in front of you. And this happens a lot with how we create our lives. We create these lives that become just patterns because we're afraid to break out of these patterns. And if you don't think so, look at your life. Look at all the possibilities, all the different types of people you could ever imagine, all the different situations, experiences, and look at the people that are in your life. How different are they from each other? How different are the experiences you're having? Now, I'm sure my listeners have a lot of variety in these things, but we could always look at the artificial boundaries we put on ourselves to keep ourselves contained and comfortable, to let go of this idea that there is uncertainty. Because the mind doesn't like this. And this is why we hold on to ideas longer than we should, is because we start to identify with them, and we think, if I let this go, who am I? And you have to understand that the magic of life is not knowing where your path will take you. Don't let this be the thing that holds you back. And this happens to many people. The next thing that needs to be examined when you're starting to feel that your life has become this constant battle is the focus you have in life. What are you putting your emphasis on in your life? We become this goal-oriented person And we set a goal and we're focused on these particular outcomes or these results. And this creates more desire. It creates a lot of aversion. We don't want this to happen, but we want this to happen. And we start to crave this outcome. And these are the two causes of suffering. This is the foundation of Buddhism, is desire and aversion. These are the two attachments that cause all your suffering. And you desire to get the results to achieve your goal. And the more difficulties you have, the stronger this desire and aversion get. Then you have aversion for all the difficulties. I don't want this to happen to me. I don't want this. And so you close yourself off and you don't open yourself up to experiences because of the fear that something you don't want to happen will happen. And this happens to all of us in different ways, in different degrees, in different circumstances. We open or close this gate of our idea of 
what is difficult or not difficult, and we have these aversions or desires that we project into this world, and we try to gravitate towards the desires and move away from the aversions, and what are we doing? We're continuing the habit patterns that are pulling us in these directions. And so when we talk about setting that intention, we're talking about committing to a path. Set this intention, walk down the path, and enjoy the walk. No matter what obstacles you encounter, continue that path. And if you don't commit yourself, there's a lot of self-doubt. And so then when anything bad happens or anything that becomes too difficult, you start to say, maybe I should stop. Maybe I should change what I'm doing. And this is just the fear. But if you apply your will through ambition, this is the attachment. The attachment to focusing on a destination, on the predetermined results. And when things don't turn out the way they should, how frustrated do you get? Or how much do you start to doubt yourself? So the thing is to commit to this path no matter what happens. Because when you dedicate yourself to the path, you commit without desire. You surrender and dedicate yourself to the path without regard to outcome. And this is the difference between a yogi and someone who is not. It's not that they have all these problems go away. It's that they don't react the same way to them. And you can do this too. It's how you react to the situation that determines how difficult your life is. Because when you strive and use ambition to focus your will and you become goal-oriented, you are ambitiously driven. And when you dedicate yourself to the path, you are spiritually driven. And so these are the two differences between the dedication to the path or the dedication to the result. And one is dedication to the result, being ambitiously driven, and the other is dedicating yourself to the path, which is spiritually driven. Because it is in that path that you're able to be in the moment. And in that moment, you will realize things about yourself. So another aspect to look at when your life becomes this constant battle or the struggle is the lack of connection to your intuition. And we talk about this on almost every episode, is really the lack of connection to this higher self or the deeper self. And I always look at it this way. The only actions that are your own are the ones that go against your true nature. All others are the guidance of God, or as most people call it, intuition. Really, intuition is just God's voice guiding you back to him. I mean, most people understand that their intuition is this compass of life. Yet many don't understand how to access it and how to live by it. And and this is something even for myself. I, I remember when I started really learning how to connect to my intuition, I would do it, but I wasn't really living by it. So when I'm teaching or when I'm writing, I would 
be connecting to my intuition, but the way I was living my life was not. And so there's this kind of duality, and I had to learn how to live through the intuition and not just connect to it at the times where I needed it uh, in some activity. And we've talked about this on many episodes, how everything is a vibration, and there are coarse vibrations like movement and talking, and there are subtle vibrations like thoughts. And the process of yoga is really tuning yourself into this subtle. And this is the reason that we learn how to be still and quiet the mind, is to focus. And this is the focus of yoga, really, is to connect to the subtle. And when your mind stops or the body stops, what is left behind this but this very subtle vibration, which is your intuition. And when you're able to connect to this and feel it, because every vibration creates a feeling, you can connect to this feeling when you want because you know what it feels like. You know how to experience it, and you know this subtle vibration, so there's no doubt. To really connect to the intuition is to learn to be still. And when there's a lot of conflict in the life, it's very difficult. And so take yourself out of this conflict, spend some time meditating or walking in nature, letting go, but you need to learn to really connect because the whole body has to settle down. And when you have this fear and this anxiety, it's a vibration that creates a lot of tension. And that vibration and that tension will not allow you to hear the intuition. Because this intuition is just a subtle vibration that is overshadowed by just thinking, but also overshadowed by movement, by all these coarse vibrations. And when the mind is still, then you can hear that voice. When the body is still, you can feel that vibration. And then you start to live in a more harmonious life. You become tuned into this inner voice. Because deep down, this is what it's about. It's letting go of the fear, that self-doubt, and dedicating yourself to the path of this authentic expression. With this in mind, your life should not evolve as part of a goal. It should unfold as a form of self-expression. Put the emphasis on communicating with authenticity. Then become aware of the resistance to this expression. What is preventing you from being authentic? And this provides you with the opportunity to remove unconscious tendencies and become more authentic. And it also allows you to get rid of these false identifications that are limiting your experience. And the more you let go, the more beautiful life becomes. And remember, it isn't you against the world, it's you with the world. Don't communicate through confrontation, communicate with love. Try to create harmony in your life. Take that deep breath, try to relax, try to let go of that grip that is creating all this tension so that your life becomes in line with your true self and you become this connection to the infinite and you're able to express this through the harmony 
that you have with yourself, with nature, with everyone around you. And then your life becomes more joyful as this self-expression permeates through everything that you do. This expression of love that you're able to communicate creates the harmony to have peace and love in your life. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope everyone enjoyed the program. Again, thank you to Sat Kirtan Kar for joining us and telling us about the Kundalini Yoga Festival in December in the Netherlands. You can go to kundaliniyogafestival.nl for more information. And it'd be great to see everyone out there. I love meeting the listeners in person. It's always a nice conversation. And again, please continue to support the podcast by giving a donation. Go to the story of me podcast.com and on the contact page there's a donate button. Make a contribution and help support the program. From the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. 